Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Listener Favorites Month continues today with Ministry President Dr. Kenneth Hill examining some of the greatest prayers of the Bible. On the radio, online, through podcasts, and on our mobile app, we help bring sense to all the nonsense, each day bringing clarity to the chaos. You support Watchmen on the Wall when you pray for us, when you call us or visit our website, when you purchase one of our resources, you are standing with us in our almost 90-year mission to proclaim the truth that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Please visit swrc.com or give us a call, 1-800-652-1144. How did people like Daniel, David, and Moses talk to God? What can we learn from their example? Dr. Kenneth Hill is here to help us discover the answers to these questions and examine some of the greatest prayers in the Bible. What is it about prayer that moves the hand of God? And if prayer is so powerful, why don't Christians pray more and take full advantage of this awesome tool God has given to bless the world? Our guest for this program is Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. He's a longtime friend, a neighbor of many years, and also my mentor. It's always an honor to speak to Dr. Hill. Kenneth is president of Southwest Radio Ministries. He is also a pioneer in Christian broadcasting. Since 1981, he's been in charge of WHCB Radio, We Herald Christ's Blessings. It has a growing outreach and operates five radio stations in Northeast Tennessee. Dr. Hill has authored several books. On today's program, we're going to be talking about his book, Prayers of the Ancients. It's a study of the prayers of the great saints of God as found in the Bible. Kenneth, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you, Brother Larry. It's great to be with you. In your book, you say this, prayer is perhaps the most discussed discipline of the Christian life while being the least practiced. Two questions, Ken. Why do you think that is so? And number two, how can your book help us to develop a more consistent prayer life? Well, I think it happens to us as the human race because we are weary in well-doing. Oftentimes, what God is offering us is so fantastic that we can't accept it for being what it is. Mm. God blesses so abundantly that many times our human spirit is so frail that it cannot accept the goodness of God. Mm. It's sad, but true. And when we talk to God and we ask of God his help, he has promised to meet our needs, and he does that without fail. And so we as human beings have a tendency to begin not to believe instead of believing. God is so good to us that oftentimes we say, well, this can't be happening. Mm -hmm. He can't be that good, but he is. And that's something for us to keep in mind. He has promised us to take care of us. He's promised never to leave us nor forsake us. He's promised 
to hear our prayer. He's promised to answer our prayer. And so I think that sometimes we just get weary and we start thinking, no, I I don't want to bother him for this. I don't want to bother him for this new thing. I don't want to create a problem for God. Well, you're not going to. God already knows what's going on. Amen. But God loves you so much that he's waiting to hear from you about it. Now, the second question you had was, how can the book help? And we're trying to help by giving some examples. The examples are beautiful. Mm, Yes. My writing may not be, my consistency (laughs) of thought may not be there, but I'll tell you what, the prayers that are in this little book that I put together are beautiful. Mm. And they're very useful in causing my spirit to leap (laughs) for joy. Because what I find is God's promises are sure. Yes. They never fail. Amen. Amen. Many years ago, I pastored in the Florida Keys. We were only 90 miles from Havana. Can you imagine? (laughs) There was a young Cuban refugee, and she wondered, do I bother God if I come before him? And of course, I showed her the scripture where it says, let us come boldly. And the Greek word there for boldly means speaking freely as in the presence of a friend. And then there was a scripture that really just helped her so wonderfully. Psalm 81, I think it's verse 10. It said, open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. And the problem is not that Israel said, oh yes, I want all these blessings. No, Israel would not listen. Israel did not believe God, did not take him at his word. And that's when the trouble began. So amen and amen, brother, to what you're saying. I think it's so true. And I want to Just talk to Christians out there. If you do not have a regular prayer time, you need to start immediately. Find out what's the best part of the day, early morning. Some people pray late at night, but you need to have a consistent prayer life. Kenneth, we think of Moses as Israel's lawgiver, and that he was indeed. But he also was a man of prayer. And, you know, so many times we think of the commandments and all of that, and that's fine. No question about that. But tell us about Moses' prayer life. Moses was in preparation for going to glory every day. He was ready and willing and always able to talk to God. Now, he couldn't see him face to face because he couldn't stand that. But he could talk to him in his presence. And he talked to God as if God were a friend. Mm. And Moses, in his prayer life, sang some of his prayers. Moses, in his prayer life, was very humble in some of his prayers. Moses gave God notice of what his needs were, what the people's needs were, and how much he needed God. Mm. And God then provided for him the prayer for going to the Red Sea, you know. The Red Sea was in front of you, and all of the soldiers are behind you. What you going to do, Moses? Mm. Well, he prayed and held up his rod, and the great 
Red Sea parted, and they walked through on dry ground, not just walked through on muddy ground. They walked through on dry ground. God said, you're not going to have to even worry with the mud. I'll take care of all that. (laughs) And he did. Now, if I were God, I'm sure I would have left the mud in place. I think, you know, I wouldn't have thought of that. But God is so wonderful, he thought of everything, including the mud. And he removed that mud by drying that ground. Isn't that exciting? (laughs) It really is, because the Lord looks at every angle. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think. I'm sure that... People of God were not thinking about the mud, but God knew that (laughs) there was lots of mud. They were thinking, listen, (laughs) they were thinking about those guys with the swords (laughs) and the spears and the chariots, and they were concerned about those things, and God said, hey, don't worry about that. I'll even take care of your mud. Don't worry about that. Amen. (laughs) That's just a wonderful thought. I've been in ministry more than 50 years, and as I look back, I gave it my best shot, but there were many times when, well, as I look back, it wasn't as good as I could have been, but it's amazing how God took care of angles and little details that I didn't even know existed, (laughs) and then opened doors, and I said, wow, the Lord is so good. And I think as I've read your book, Prayers of the Ancients, it encourages faith, and I think that's what we need. We are living in desperate times, but we are more than overcomers through Jesus Christ who loved us and shed his blood for us. But tell us about Samson. I think of Samson as a carnal fellow, and he had kind of a pitiful prayer in Judges 16.28. That's some interesting writing that you've made there, and I want to hear it from the master's own mouth. Well, I I don't know that I'm a master of anything, but I know that God certainly is. And when we think of Samson, Samson had come finally to the point where he would listen to God. Isn't it sad that Samson, the man of strength, the man of God, he was used of God so often, and yet he did not allow God to be seen as using him like it should have been because he was too tied up in the world, too tied up in the things of the world. He had girlfriends. They were actually paid girlfriends. We call them prostitutes these days. He wanted to know that he was in charge, and yet he was in charge of nothing. Can you imagine this little Jewish guy running around pretending he was in charge. Well, when he had the strength that God gave him, he wasn't in charge, but he was as close as he was going to get. And when it came time for prayer, prayer was only when he was totally defeated. And I don't know about you, Larry, you've been at it, like you say, 50 years, and I have two, and that makes 100 for some reason, (laughs) you know. But when we think about The prayer of Samson, the mighty warrior, my heart breaks. Mm. My heart breaks. My heart breaks for this man. He lost so many opportunities of service 
He lost so much when it came to the things that God wanted for him. Samson would have nothing of it. Samson ignored his family. Oh, how sad. Mm -hmm. He ignored his mom and dad. And when it came time to pray, the only time that Samson prayed that we've got here is when his strength was truly gone. And he cried out. And his prayer basically was a prayer of suicide. And he said, God, avenge me this time. Allow me to kill my enemies. Now, that's not something that I don't think you've ever prayed, Larry. I've never prayed that. But here he was finally at the end of his rope. And he said, avenge me of mine enemies. And he wanted them dead, but he would have to die as well. And we know that God answered his prayer. Mm. Now, the way we look at it, wouldn't it have been much better if he had prayed along the way and had gone step by step by step as God would have led him had he wanted to be led? Mm. Wouldn't it have been better for the children of Israel, for all the people that would be following, to see this man of God truly be the man of God? Amen. And so when we come to this prayer, that's where my heart's broken. It's the kind of thing that I see in the world today when I see so many people just giving up instead of moving forward. And we don't need to be giving up, my friend. We need to be trusting the Lord, for he alone is the one who will take care of us. Amen. And I'm excited to know that he wants to take care of us too. Amen? Amen to that. What a lesson. And friends, I've read Dr. Hill's book, From cover to cover, Prayers of the Ancients, and it breathes life. You will be inspired. You really will. And this is a, you might say a primer for someone who doesn't have a regular prayer regimen. It will touch your heart. There's plenty of scripture in it, plenty of insights. It will be a real blessing. It's titled Prayers of the Ancients. Well, Kenneth, I want to speak about Hannah's prayer in Samuel 1. It's a prayer without words. It says, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved. Now, I like getting to the office very early. Sometimes I sleep over, and I have the whole building to myself so I can pray out loud. How do you feel about silent prayer and about prayer that is spoken out loud? I'm for both of them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited when people pray. I grew up in a church that would call people to the altar and they would pray out loud together. And then I have been pastor of churches where everybody was so quiet, you wondered if they had gone to sleep on you, you know. So I will take either. God hears them both. Amen. And he hears it in whatever language that you give it and he hears it in whatever sentiment you're giving it because he loves you Mm. and he knows you and he knows your heart 
And so he has the most wonderful attitude toward me and you, and that is that he loves us and he can't wait to hear what we have to say. Amen. Now, I don't have many people that love me that much, Larry, (laughs) that can't wait to hear what I have to say, but I'm glad the Lord does, and that's wonderful to know. And here we are with Hannah needing in her heart, she felt she needed a child. She felt it was a true need of her life to have a child. And she was crying out to God in her heart Mm. for a child to be born to her and her husband. And in the fullness of time, God provided that child, and she gave the child back to God. Mm. And that child served God his entire life. And what a servant of God he was. God used him and used him and used him, and he was blessed of the Lord. And so, my friend, if you have a desire of your heart, don't hesitate in telling God about it. He already knows anyway. Tell him about your desire, and then ask God to help you with that. If it's to forsake it, because it should be forsaken, or if it's to be fulfilled because it should be fulfilled Hmm. expect god to take care of it and ask him to and he will what is it about prayer that moves the hand of god and if prayer is so powerful why don't christians pray more and take full advantage of this awesome tool god has given to bless the world find out in the book prayers of the ancients by dr kenneth hill In Prayers of the Ancients, you'll discover new insights about prayer, God's character, and the lives of His praying people. Order Prayers of the Ancients today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. Now, here's Larry Spargimino and Marvin McIlvaney. Well, Marvin, it's that time of the year again. Cold weather, Christmas trees, Christmas music on the radio, and in the stores, millions of people shopping, and the occasional fistfight when two people want the same toy for their children. But all in all, it's a great time of the year. Why? Because everybody is talking about the birth of Jesus. What could be better? That's right, Pastor Larry. There is nothing better than to talk about Jesus and think about all the wonderful things he's done in our lives. It's the time of the year when we should all thank the Lord and really mean it. I know sometimes we may find a parking spot and we say, thank you, Lord. I'm not putting that down. I do that myself. But I mean, really thank him and really mean it. You know, I think as we get older, we think about how precious life is and how short it is. I mean, it goes by very fast. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 in the King James says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but is wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Redeeming the time is related to wisdom in how we walk, that is, in how we live our lives every day. The word says, not as fools. We need to be smart with our lives and our time on earth. It says, redeeming the time. 
To redeem something means to buy it back or to regain possession of it. Time is a gift from God, and none of us know how much of it we are given. Only God knows how much time each of us has on earth to make decisions that will impact eternity. When God says we should be redeeming the time, He wants us to live in a constant awareness of that ticking clock and make the most of the time we have. I don't hear this phrase too much anymore, but it goes something like, we should make the most of every opportunity. Now, rather than waste our time on frivolous things that have no lasting value, the Lord wants us to be hardworking and conscientious about doing good things. I think telling people about the love of God is a good thing to do with your time. I know everybody can't be missionaries spreading the gospel across Asia and Africa and the outermost parts of the world, but you can support ministries that do that. I had the privilege of starting a new church in Pakistan in 2009. Once the church got established and had a foundation, Pastor Victor Samuel wanted to build a school for the children. Our listeners responded to the call. Help started to pour in, and we were able to build a beautiful school a very modern school which stands out against the bleak and old buildings that are there. When I say we were able, I mean our listeners, you out there, who are listening right now. You're the ones who built that church and school. And I thank you so much for that. I know the Lord will bless you for your faithfulness in putting a church in the middle of Islamic territory. Your generosity allows the church and the school to continue. I know someday some of those Pakistani children who go to that church and school will one day go into all the world and tell people about the love of God. And so it goes. Pastor Larry, you go to Pakistan, the Pakistanis go to Mongolia, the Mongolians go to Nigeria, and it goes on and on. That's how God gets things done. Pastor Larry, from what I understand, it was actually a Chinese woman who first told you about the love of God. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And I've married her. Her name is Jennifer. She's been my wife for more than 60 years. Well, it seems like you were a part of the receiving end of her evangelism. God sent that woman from China to speak to you. Speaking about China, the protests in China are very, very significant. The people are really unhappy with President Xi. And you know, Marvin, I think that's really important. If if people were happy, if they felt secure, if they loved the president, We could never do much evangelism, but they are unhappy. I think God's got great things that are going to happen in China. When you look at China today, their growing economic and military power, it has to make you think of the end times. I mean, the emergence of this Asian power is mentioned in Bible prophecy. Revelation 16 refers to this as the kings of the east. China is making rapid advancements, mainly island building in the South China Sea. They are actually pumping sand off the bottom of the ocean and turning it into islands to build airstrips and military facilities to house their soldiers. On November 9th of this year, President Xi Jinping told the People's Liberation Army to, quote, focus all its energy on fighting in preparation for war. Without any hesitation, they are telling the world to get ready because they are. The Bible says the end times will be perilous times, wars and rumors of war. When the president of a country says they're preparing for war, that's no rumor. We should believe what they say. When the door opens in China, we need to be ready. And how about Russia? On December the 9th, a few days ago, Vladimir Putin said Russia may consider the possibility of a preventative nuclear first strike to disarm an opponent. 
This was just days after warning the world that the risk of atomic war is rising. When we talk about redeeming the time, or making the most out of an opportunity, this is what we're talking about. Now is the time to get out there and tell the world about Jesus. Marvin, why don't you remind our listeners what gleanings is? Alrighty. According to Wikipedia, gleaning is the act of collecting leftover crops from farmers' fields after they have been harvested. It is a practice described in the Bible that became a legally enforced entitlement of the poor. Southwest Radio Church uses this example to ask for donations for our missionary endeavors and for other missions like our Onesimus Project, which helps those in prison. Yes, indeed, friends, these are days of great opportunity. I really believe that at the end of the age, we're going to see a great number of conversions around the world. We're already seeing that revival start. So, yes, let's all get on board and do the work of the Lord. Pray to God, give as we can, and watch Almighty God work. In the book, Prayers of the Ancients, you'll discover new insights about God's character and the lives of His praying people. Order Prayers of the Ancients today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can always order online, swrc.com. Christmas is only a few days away. To help us stay focused on what this special time of year is all about, let's listen to the Christmas account from Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was, that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger." because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary, and Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. 
But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Merry Christmas. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.